Gangsta Music Part 2. Dipset. Killer. He made it. Tell us in town. Come on, let's go. Can I get up? Welcome to another episode of Echo Chamber Um, yeah, voice is a little bit better But it's not great But it's cool Because we're just gonna get right into it So, here is the <clears throat> The UK box office Top 10 uh, For, um <laughs> The weekend of the, uh, oh gosh, 18th to the 20th. Okay, so at number 10, we've got Hustlers. At number 9, Downton Abbey the movie. At number 8, we have Judy. At number 7, it's official secrets. At number six, we have Gemini Man. At number five, it's abdominal, ab, ab, abdominal, abominal, abom, abominal, abom. You know the new animation thingy thing. At number four, we have Zombie Land, Double Tap. At number three. It's a Sean the Sheep movie, Farmageddon. Mm. At number two, it's the Math Maleficent, Mistress of Equal. Okay, and of course, at number one, it's Joker Baby. And uh, this week we got a couple of reviews. So we're gonna bring you um, to mark the DVD release. We've got the review of Vita and Virginia. Um, it was meant to drop earlier, but um, there was a miscommunication on when the film was being released in the cinema. But DVDs drop in, so this seems like a perfect time. And we got. A Joker review So uh, yeah sit back relax And um, these were recorded The other week So there's no crackly Voice So that's a treat for you people Let's go So I am just back From a screening of Vita and Virginia Which is A new film From director Chanya Button um the gist of the film well yeah i i should say as well it's um it's adapted from a um 1992 play called Vita in Virginia by Eileen Atkins um and this screenplay was written by um by Burton um and Atkins So it's starring Gemma Atherton, Elizabeth Debicki and Isabella Rossellini 
Uh, the story is, well, the plot of the story is this. Socialite Vita, um, and that is uh, Vita Sackville West, who's played by Gemma Atherton, and literary icon Virginia Woolf, played by Dubiki, run in different circles in 1920s London. When the two cross paths, the magnetic mag, uh, the magnetic Vita decides the beguiling, stubborn and gifted Virginia will be her next conquest, no matter the cost. Vita and Virginia forge an unconventional affair set against the backdrop of their own strikingly contemporary marriages. An affair that inspires one of Virginia's most iconic novels, Orlando. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's generally it. Although, um, I wouldn't say they were in strikingly contemporary marriages. I would say their marriages were um were probably as unconventional as you know you might want to say the affair was um yeah it was a definitely a different oh I I mean to say it was a different time I I don't even think that I just think it it kind of showed things that were happening that you wouldn't have thought happened around that time when you think about all the other things you see that have been set in that time period, you know, when you watch certain programs and stuff like that, you're you're shown a certain image of, um, you know, London, and um, I get I guess the the culture, but you see this, and you're like, oh, okay, so yeah. Those things were happening then too. Interesting. Yeah. Because yeah, you would never know. So um yes, that that was that. Um it, it's like I think it's funny because the film starts and we're seeing the kind of the the intimate workings of a printing press. And I don't mean like the building, I mean the actual machine. Where we got a kind of a close up and the camera pans around the parts and the mechanics of it all. And you you I don't know, I kind of felt that that was very symbolic of the film, of this kind of functionary uniqueness, you know? Um so we're seeing that. And then we go straight into, we have these two people sitting with microphones that say BBC. And you then realise, oh, so it's a, it's a BBC interview. Um, and it has um, Vita and her husband... Um, um, Oh, her husband would be uh, Harold. Yes. So it's Vita and Harold, um, and they're talking about relationships 
and uh, marriage, you know, um, and what forges it, what maintains it, what what kind of the functions of each sex are, uh, and that and that kind of thing. So they do this, and and you kind of realise that, all right, some of the views they're talking about, although we don't hear the whole piece, it is set up to make you go, okay, so they are bucking the norm. You know, they would be looked upon as, um, you know, uh, I don't know, dilettantes. Um, I don't know, like radicals, hippies maybe, you know, that that kind of thing. So we have this. So it's very much setting the stage. Um, then we have... Uh, Vita having a conversation with her mother, Lady Sackville, who's played by Isabel Rossellini. And she, her mother, is not happy with a book. She's seen an advanced copy and, um, you know, she she definitely shows her disdain for it. And we then see a different dynamic because the mother is kind of holding the daughter to hostage with certain things. So we're seeing these different dynamics straight out the gate. Uh, And then we're kind of... um, Yeah, we're we're like, you know, seeing um, Virginia Woolf and this stoic kind of person with this uh, very clipped um, kind of speech pattern. So we're seeing these different elements and you're kind of wondering, right, how do they come together? Um, and then you you see how everything starts to unfold and how, yeah, like things start off in a certain way but then it's just like, okay, like, you know, what was maybe perceived as a game, it, it, does it have more to it? Is this what's happening here? And there's like these different layers and, and different ideals that are there, that are definitely there. And... It, there's a lot of this notion of, um, look, what is, what's perceived, and who are you really, you know, like, that's one of the biggest things, it's just like, look, all these people are, are, are pulling you in this direction, they're saying you are this, but who are you, how do you see yourself, how do you hold yourself, like, what do you want? You know, like, what does happiness look for you? Look like to you? So there's all these kind of concepts that are definitely pulling themselves in different directions. And it, it, it's just like, although there's moments when you're, it, it seems that there's an understanding formed. You wonder if all of these things actually do coalesce and merge, you know what I mean, because we're seeing different conflicts throughout the film, 
and as I said, look, there's a lot of different dynamics that are happening. So there's a lot. There's a lot happening in this film. And I think visually, visually, it, it looks the part. You know what I mean? It really does look the part. It, 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 we're seeing these nice kind of shots, especially those shots outside um, at like sunset and sunrise and, and the richness of the sky and, you know, the filters that are used really work. It, it pops. You you definitely get a feel that this is that period of time, you know. And, and I think that's one of the things that does, that always seems to happen. It's like... Um, like films of this period, you know, I, they're really, they, I don't know, the UK seems to do them well. I remember one time when Rome came out, ABC had a, a, a mini series set around the same period. And when you compared it to Rome, which was made the BBC and HBO, like it didn't touch it. Because it was so, it was very colourful and, you know, everything looked shiny. The teeth looked perfect. You know, everyone looked so manicured and coofed. You know, like the the, the, the clothing was too perfect and, yeah, it didn't work. But Rome had an authenticity about it. And that's what you would definitely say about this. There, there is this authenticity about the look and the feel, the visuals of the film that help in, like, having you kind of understand and feel what's going on. A, 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 an issue, like, a couple of issues I had with it, though, was... um. Like, there's this, mu the music that is used, I, I, I believe it's like a musical bed, okay, so the, if, I, if I'm wrong, apology, but I believe, yeah, you would call it a musical bed, like, it was, I enjoyed the piece of music, you know, the music was good, but it was of a modern kind of lilt, uh, there were, I mean, especially parts of it. There, there's a, there was a part of the sequence that was you could kind of go, all right, that's more of a contemporary feel. But then, like these beats come into it, and I, I this now I, you know, look, this is how it felt to me. So it could be completely different for other people, but for me, the, the this musical bed was too modern, so it kind of pulled you out of what is happening. You know, I I think if they had done it, maybe like the Moulin Rouge or the the Great Gatsby way, that may have worked a bit better. I don't know. I wasn't on set. I, I wasn't in the studio. I wasn't doing this. 
but yeah for me the the music created this foreign kind of alien nature to things that kind of set up this kind of divider between me and the film so yeah there was that um and i would say like there was this there's a lot of letter writing in this film you know they're writing they're sending letters to each other and so the way around it which you know it it, it wasn't a bad idea you'd have them essentially it looked like they were sitting down and they would be at the forefront of the shot and everything else would be kind would then suddenly become blurry and you would then it would really focus in on the face and it would have them reading the letter and saying the letter and then the camera would kind of pan around and it would zone in on the mouth so you'd see the the, the, the mouth movements uh, you know and it would be doing that and, and so they'd use that technique um but because there's so much of it that was a bit like all right i, I you know i saw it once fine like I don't know, it was just like, maybe find a new mechanism, or another way to convey this element, I don't know, but yeah, that that became a bit, I wouldn't say problematic, but it, it was just like, I've, oh, okay, I've seen this enough now, you know, I, 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 was, it, it, I became a little bit tiresome of that, um, concept and yeah i don't know if it's if it's me but the conversations oftentimes felt like they were monologues rather than conversations you know it felt like someone was delivering a speech and talking to the audience rather than it was this heartfelt interaction between these characters which you know then it, it gave me the feel that a lot of the times this felt more like a play than a film you know uh, it was it was one of the um things that I found with fences the Denzel um, Viola Davis film from a, a, a couple of years back, um, and, and yeah, so there was that, so again, it was just this disconnect, it created a, this bit of a disconnect with the film, and at the end, at the end, it's something that drives me insane, and look, it's most likely because I, m my vision is so bad, you know, but it's when a film ends and they it tie things up with text on the screen. And it's always small, tiny text as well. You know, and, and it's just like, look, why can't you have someone narrate this or just find a different way to 
do it. Because having small text on the screen to wrap things up is just, uh, it's irritating. But as I said, look, it's, it's, it's probably more a visual issue for me than others. But yeah, so there were these things. So look, it's not a terrible film. It's definitely not a terrible film. And it's interesting because I knew nothing about this. I knew nothing about this. Like, you do understand, like, from what you hear, Virginia Woolf, you know, like, you know who Virginia Woolf is. And you know that, yeah, I think she had, um, like, I don't know, mental health issues. There was, she, you know what I mean? She struggled with certain things throughout her life. So you, that you kind of understand that. These were slightly touched upon. And they were touched, I did like the way they were touched upon with the weird visuals that we saw. But it was kind of a throwaway to some extent. So it wasn't really explained so I'm kind of like, if people didn't know this fact going in, they may wonder what is going on. So there is that. But, um, yeah, as I said, look, the, fi- the look of the film is, was really good. Like, what you kind of learn within the film was very interesting. Um, it did remind me of Colette. The Kieran Knightley film that um, came out uh, earlier. I think it was earlier in the year. Because I saw it last year. Um, at the London Film Festival. But I, I think it came out um, earlier this year. Colette. But yeah, I you know, I think if, you're a, if you liked that film. You would definitely like this film. I, I think if you were a fan of... Of like the favourite you might like this film. If if you're a fan of things like Atonement. And you know like this the uh, you know, like the contemporary kind of stuff. If, if you're a fan of that. I, I think you would find this interesting. Like Turner. If you like Turner. Um, Timothy Spall. I think you would enjoy this. I do feel there might you might need to have some understanding of the uh, the protagonists though, but yeah, it is 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 it throws up questions. It you know it is kind of like it's left me thinking. Oh, this could be something. Maybe I I find a book on it, and um, and uh, you know do some extra reading on the on the subject matter so it was good in that way but um yeah i i'm I, i'm not sure how like i didn't love it but i didn't hate it it's kind of that middle ground um situation but it's one of those things that you i, I wonder if i would watch it again but um yeah yeah but yes as i said look if you were a fan of turner colette um you know, stuff like that, I think you you would gravitate towards this. I think this is a film for you. But um, that is Vita and Virginia.
Uh, it's from director uh, Chanya Button, um, who wrote the film with Eleni, uh, Elaine Atkins, and it's adapted from Elaine Atkins' 1992 play, starring Gemma Atherton, Elizabeth Debicki, and Isabella Rossini. Um, yeah, it's it's not um, yeah, it's not crazy. It's not too long. It's a it's a hundred and ten minutes, so just under two hours. Um, yeah, I mean, it could maybe have been cropped a little bit, but it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't too crazy. It wasn't too crazy, but yes, that is um Vita and Virginia. Okay, so I've just finally seen Joker and um yeah <laughs> oh man okay so if you don't know Joker is the new film by um Todd Phillips um it was written by uh, Phillips and um Scott Silver he helped co-write this. Um, now, the film is based on the DC Comics character, the Joker. And, um, yeah, this is a... Like, it's like an origin story. Supposedly, Phillips conceived the idea in 2016. Um, and him and Silver wrote the script in 2017. They were inspired supposedly by Scorsese films, um, and 1970s character studies. So, um, they, they took some ideas from the graphic novel, The, the Killing Joke, but um, they didn't try and take anything out from comics, supposedly. You know, that that's... Yeah, I think that's the thing that, um, you know, we're told. Uh, the fi- so the film is starring a whole heap of cats, you know what I mean? So you've got um, Joaquin Felix... Phoenix, even Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, Francis Conroy, Brett Cullen, Glenn Flacher, Bill Camp, Shay Wigum, Wigum, um, and Mark Marin. So, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy cast, man. Um, the music is by Hildur Gunadutu. And um, the cinematography is Lawrence Sure. So, um, the gist of the film is, in 1981, party clown Arthur Fleck lives with his mother Penny in Gotham City. Gotham is rife with crime and unemployment, leaving segments of the population disenfranchised and impoverished. 
Arthur suffers from a disorder that causes him to laugh at inappropriate times and depends on social services for medication. Um, Fleck is disregarded and mistreated by society. He then embarks on a downward spiral of revolution and bloody crime. This path brings him face to face with his alter ego, the Joker. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there has been so much talk about this film, you know, like so much. Um, and especially, like, I think one of the narratives is that this glorifies violence and gun violence, especially. Which, you know, like watching the film, no, it it, it really doesn't. You know, I, I think that is just... It, it it just seems to be um, a really poor attack at it. You know, obviously people haven't actually watched it properly because yeah, there's no glorification of weapons and guns and violence in this. This film is. Man, it is crazy because when you break it down, so yes, it's an origin story for the Joker, you know, that that's a definite thing, but it's also a, a, a twisted look at alienation, mental health and delusion, you know, it's definitely that. Because, so we see Arthur, and he's, you know, he, like, life ain't great for Arthur. He, he, you know, he's a clown, he's a party clown, and it, it seems that he's not overly successful, you know? He, he's trying, but, yeah, life is very difficult. He's um, not really liked at work. People tease him. Apart from one guy, you know. He's like one guy that's actually nice to him at work. Um, he, uh, yeah, he just wants to be funny. But every time, like, he tries to interact with people, he gets berated and shunned. You know, he, he, it's just difficult for him. And, like, he gets beaten up. Gets beaten up by some kids. People don't believe him. People just think he's a liar. You know, and I think when you're looking at it, like, people can only take so much, right? So we have this one angle, this one kind of thread of the story that's going, look, there people have a breaking point. 
you can push people only so far before, yeah, you know what I mean, the dam breaks. But, the, the, so the crazy thing is, and I mean, it's weird, because I have, it's, I'm not really a fan of Todd Phillips' films, you know? Uh, yeah, I haven't really liked a lot of the stuff he's done. But I think what he's done here is really interesting and really good because he uses these odd camera angles. You know, like there's camera the, the shots that are kind of looking up at a strained angle or coming from the side. Yo, like, you've got the kind of circular, the rotating shot that we see a lot of people utilise. But when Phillips does it here, it's very kind of shaky. It, like, you know, there's a lot of herky-jerky movements. And these weird herky-jerky movements, these off-centre kind of shots, help give you that off-center, that off-kilter look at this character, you know, because essentially Joker isn't, you know, Joker, Arthur Fleck, they're not walking a straight line, you know, it's veering off-center, and that's what the feel of the direction is is doing, we're veering off-center a lot, and with that, so you have that one thread, that disenfranchised thread, but there's also weaved in this kind of fever dream, you know? So you have this, this, uh, this delusion that's, you know, given to us and... Man, it, it, it's done in a way that makes you wonder, that makes you kind of think to yourself, like, what am I actually seeing here? Because, you know, certain things happen and you are definitely surprised. You are definitely surprised that this is going on. And that's nice, that's very nice, because, yeah, like, there's points when everything makes sense, when you can see, you know what I mean, through the fog, and, oh, it is glorious, it is glorious when the realisation, when the penny drops, and you're like, Oh, but then, so this is the crazy thing, so you are thrown through one loop, but then there's another loop as well, so there is a moment when, you read know, it's like, is it like JR, you know, what I mean? at the very end, and it's just like, oh, nice, I like that. I like that. We get, like, ties in to Batman. 
Yo, there, there is uh, significant ties into the Batman mythos, which is interesting. I wasn't sure if they were going to do that because this is a standalone film. Yo, this film is not connected to any film, you know, in the DC universe. Now, listen, we all know that after, you know, after the, the, the Justice League film, the memorandum came down and DC were going to make smaller budget films. They were going to make, fi- they were going to move away from this connected universe idea. But the Joker is even farther removed than that. Yo, know, this isn't, you know, there's not really nods to other films within this one. Because, it, you know, in the actual DC canon, the Joker isn't called Arthur Fleck. You know what I mean? That's not real. So, yeah, it's interesting that they did what they did, but then you still get this tie-in. So that's smart. Like, the, the, the whole comedian stand-up angle is interesting. It's interesting because, so, you know, the the last few years, Tony Hinchcliffe has talked about his idea, his concept, his approach to Joker and what he would like to do with a Joker film. And I have to say, Hinchcliffe talked about this before 2016. So if Todd Phillips is like, oh, yeah, I invented this idea in 2016, then, yeah. I think Tony Hinchcliffe, you know, he has to get props because this does, this does definitely play a lot into what he kind of has said about it. But I do think the the stand-up comedian angle, that adds a real interesting note to it as well. You know, that, yeah, like, the way that plays out, that whole arc, that's really good. That's really good. It's really interesting. Um... Yeah, it, it it reminded me of an Alan Partridge, the, the last episode of one of his, I think it was season one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it was definitely different tonally from that. I think the acting is very good. Like, Whacking Phoenix really brings this... Man, it's like a a weird kind of candor to the role, you know, because he's he's not trying to be funny. It's kind of like that self pitying chip on your shoulder naivety to it, because you know what I mean. It's got the chip on the shoulder. It's also got a naivety. To the performance as well And and so 
this isn't a Joker that we have seen before, which makes it interesting, you know, because, look, we've had the Jack Nicholson, we've had the Keith, the Heath Ledger, we've had the Jared Leto, um, and you've had the Joker from, like, the, you know, the, 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 um, the TV series, so there is so many different iterations, you know, is it Mark Hamill played the Joker in the cartoon, so yeah, so many different iterations of the Joker that is out there, but this, the way Phoenix played it, is very different to all of those, so that makes it interesting, like, it's funny, man, it's like the other day I talked about De Niro and his performance in The Irishman, and that being, you mean, one of the best performances I've seen from De Niro since 2012, you know, Silver Lining Playbook, but this, his performance in this, it's a really good performance, you know, it's a really good performance because there is bravado, there is this jackassery, but then there's also um, more to it that we that we see towards the end. You know, there's this um, oh, this kind of protectiveness of the nation, of the the concept of. Funny of what's right, you know. He, he brings that to it, so that's good. Marin, he's not in it much, but yeah, he's really good. Zazzy Beats, now that's an interesting role, yo. Know? Um, yeah, her character in in this, you know, that's really good because um. Like, she plays Sophie Dummond, Arthur's, one of Arthur's neighbours. And, like, this role, it's, it's not a huge role, but it's kind of pivotal to the mindset of Arthur and how we perceive it all. So, during the way she has to... To breathe life into that is interesting. And she does it very well. So, yeah. I, I'd say look, the, the, the acting is just really good. It's really good across the board. The way the film is, is lit and the tone. You know, it kind of feels like an old... Like an old... um Like... Sherlock Holmes era kind of film. It's got that kind of vibe, that kind of, uh, you know, that dirty look to it. Because Gotham is in uh, upheaval, is in disarray, and, and you get that visually. You know, the music, the music is just... Kind of weird because it's like frenetic in places, and you know, it's just like builds things up without that. Just like feel sad, you know, feel happy now. It's, you know, it's not doing that, but it's really just 
amping and amping and amping in places. And that's just... Yeah. Look, people. This is a... A really good film. You know, I definitely would recommend it. It's not too crazy. Like, listen. Okay, so... It's 122 minutes, right? So, we're just over two hours. But you are engrossed all the way. You know, definitely not bored. Definitely not bored. Like, it's funny. At the beginning of the film, you had people talking. Yo, they shut the fuck up straight. Because it just grabs you. You're just like, huh? And you're just engrossed in it. So no one was making noise. Everyone's just paying attention. It's definitely an 18. Definitely an 18. But it's not glorifying anything. If if you watch this film and think it's glorifying violence, then you really don't understand a lot. Because, yeah, there's, there's nothing like, oh... Violence is good. Yeah, it's definitely not doing that. Definitely. You know, it, it, it's showing things in, in a light that's just like, yo, this isn't the way to go. You know? Like, people, think about your actions. Think about the way you treat people. That's definitely, you know what I mean, something in this film. It's just like, look, there's repercussions to our actions. And we are shown that time and time again. Because, you know, it, 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 he's not an anti-villain. I wouldn't say Joker is an anti-villain, but there is the perception, you know, that is a, a, a tonal thing to to give you that look, you know, to, you know, you're throwing many looks in this, and that's one, you know, what I mean? like, oh, should we feel sorry for this cat, you know, what I mean? so yeah. It's not glorifying anything. What we're getting is a story and it's an enthralling, interesting story. So people, people, you know what I mean? I'm like, yo, you need to check out The Joker. This is, I'd say this is Todd Phillips' best film by far. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's in the cinema right now. And it's popular because I tried to go to a screening at 2.30 today. You know what I mean? 2.30. Sold out. Sold out. And then so the screening I went to in the evening, yo, again, that was a crazy busy screen. So this is a popular film, you know? So, yeah, it's by Todd Phillips, who co-wrote it with Scott Silver. It's starring Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, um, Bill Cullen. Um, no, sorry, Brett Cullen, Glenn Flesher, Bill Camp, Shay Wing Wigham, Mark Maron, you know, Francis Conroy, Robert De Niro. Yo, this is a great film, so go check it out, 
Joker baby. What? Okay, people. So, no one wants to hear this creaky car crash of a voice go on any longer. So, yeah, no news this week. We're just going to end it here. And uh, hopefully next week, everything will be back to normal. Uh, so, yeah. Alright, we're done. We're done. We're finished. We're out. People, enjoy the films. Catch you next week. Peace.